You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. guys, welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I am here with uh, one of my favorite people on Instagram. She literally is the epitome of her handle, which is Happy Go Curly. Her name is Ailsa Immel, and she is a certified nurse midwife, and I'm just really excited to get to talk to her today and chat about all things kind of women's health, her career path, being um, a woman of color in medicine, and what that's looked like for her. Um, so welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Hi, Claire. This is so fun. Wait, first of all, I got to address that you said I'm one of your favorite people. I didn't even know that. I'm like, oh my totally. God, that's awesome. I love, <laughs> so I just, fun. you're so cheerful and happy. And I feel like you have such a good balance of being like, here's a cute outfit I found today, but also here's <laughs> a really important piece of medical information. And, you know, like, here's what's really going on in my life. I just, I really do. I enjoy your space. So thank Aww, you for Thank you so much. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I I truly do enjoy Instagram and the connection I've been able to make with, with so many women um, out there. I had no idea um, when this whole Women's Health Wednesday came about, I thought, there's no way I'm not going to have enough topics to talk about every single Wednesday. Yeah. And now the problem is, how do I narrow it down? Like, oh my yeah. gosh, I could go on and on about this. And then I find that I don't even have enough time oftentimes because you kind of you kind of want to capture in a small amount of time right the information because mm-hmm. otherwise you lose people's attention they're not going to pay attention for very long um but i've had so many messages and it it's blown me away so yeah it is it's fascinating how now it's it's so different obviously than it was even probably 10 years ago that people are getting so much of their information from social media and and it's mm-hmm. I'm so glad to see this huge shift from where I think it previously was like weird and I don't know if it was taboo but just like oh my providers are not on social media but now so many of us are and mm-hmm. and so I'm so glad to see so many reputable sources particularly for women because we are more we're just vulnerable to misinformation you know we sure um, are. We sure are. You know, and I totally just like jumped in and you had said like, introduce yourself and tell a little <laughs> bit about yourself. And I, that's just me. I'm just like, if you know, my husband says, if you open her computer, you actually get a view into her mind. There's like tabs <laughs> open everywhere. There's just all these little boxes on my desktop. So now I'm going to backtrack, tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I am a military spouse. Very, very proud of that. Actually, I am uh-huh. also a veteran. I was a Navy nurse. Uh, Which I had, had no idea until it was Veterans Day and you posted that. And I, yeah, I that picture was, was a big hit. That. <laughs> it was a big hit. I did. I actually got out because it was just too hard for both of us to yeah. be in the military. And being that we weren't in the same service, they couldn't um, station us in the same place. And I was really yeah. sad for a few years after getting out. I, I don't think I really talked about that much, but I was. And so then I had said, well, I'll just, I'll just go to midwifery school. It's like what I've wanted to do. And... We moved down to Miami, which is funny because we're living here again or in Fort Lauderdale. And so I went to the University of Miami and finished it. And so you were a nurse, you were a labor and delivery nurse mm-hmm. 
like while you were in the military or how, how yes, did that yeah. go? So at first when I went into the Navy, I was enlisted and okay. I was going to school like at night and then I got picked up on a scholarship or a pre-scholarship, had to go to like this college prep school, which is where I met my husband. And then I got a college scholarship, a ROTC scholarship, and I went to Jacksonville University. And when I graduated from there, um, I was a nurse. And so I went into the Navy and I was stationed in Virginia, in Mm -hmm. Norfolk, Virginia, which was so cool because the hospital had just opened up a month beforehand. So I almost was what they call a plank owner, like where you're invested in the, you know, origination of it, you know, so to say. So I did that. I did antepartum, which is like complicated obstetrics. I did postpartum and then I did labor and delivery, which, you know, of course, while I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, this stinks so bad. But I'm so, so thankful for it. Just kind of shows how things just work out because it gave me the background that I needed to help take care of women and to really recognize things that are normal and things that aren't. And it really taught me to listen to women because everything is in textbook. And I think that that's where a lot of women can feel jaded even against their providers because they're like talking to them and even providers, you know, we're we're waiting to hear some things that are like tick, 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 tick. Okay, it's this. But I've actually, it helped me develop an intuition um, where I say, no, wait a minute, what's going on? Let's go over that a little bit. And so... I'm truly thankful um, for that. And we can talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But um, so, yeah, so then I went to midwifery school, got out, went to midwifery school, was a reservist for a couple of years. Absolutely hated being a reservist. I did not like it. And it's wonderful. But if you've been on active duty, which I was for over 10 years, it's kind of hard to go then to the reserve side. And just the way my mind thinks, I don't process things that way. Like it was just it was just very, very different. And you had to do a lot of independent kind of stuff and I didn't I didn't like it and it was like right when the war was going on and they were pulling a lot of reservists to go on active duty and so my husband and I had to have that long conversation and he was like you know if we both get deployed you know what about the girls and so yeah how old were your kids when you uh, that was around not you mean like around 9-11 and right yeah and they were like so in 2003 how old were they 39 no I weren't lying. Um, yeah. Good God. Math is hard right now. I don't know. I um, was like, please don't ask me to do that. You said they were Yeah, in no, they were I, so I little. Yeah. I, they were young. They were very they were young. They were very, very young. Yeah. They were like, maybe like, you know, I don't know. I can't even think of it right now. But they were so young. And so it was just too, too hard. Um, yeah. The thought of that. And it kind of got me like a little, I, like if I wouldn't have had the girls, I'd be like, hell yeah. First person, send me over there. Because I did want to go. Like I was going to volunteer but then it was like is it really realistic you know if we both end up going over there and you know our children end up you know it's just it was just too too hard so a lot of decisions that you have to make um that probably like the lay person for lack of a better term would have to to think about you know yeah um so yes I got out and I became a midwife I've been a midwife now for 14 years um and, every day and what I'm is the extra me. training that made you a midwife? I don't know if everybody will even so, know that. Yeah, so you you have to have, um, well, you don't have to be a labor and delivery nurse. It's ideal if you do because, again, it gives you that background. But it is a graduate degree. Actually, now it's a doctoral degree. So I've been grandfathered right. in. Now it is, you get a, a clinical degree, a PhD, right? Isn't it a PhD? Yeah, uh, it's a doc. Well, 
there's probably still master's level, but then also doctorate. Yeah, it's all, um, it's mostly all doctorate. Like now I know yeah. that's the entry level for them. So they would call their, you know, their provider doctor, which can sometimes confuse patients, I think, a little bit. You know, yeah, too. it can. But, well, yeah, so that's like, that's my story. And so now I, we've been moving the last, every single year for the last three years. And we're moving again now in June. So that'll be four years that we move. And we are, um, so I said, well, I took a year off. We lived in Boston for a year and that was great. And that's when things kind of started picking up for me on Instagram. Cause I've only been like, I've had a private account for years, but only like, I guess an influencer for the last two and a half, almost three years. Mm-hmm. And so then I just started exploring New England and I really probably belong in New England. I, I identified so much <laughs> with everything there. I loved it there so much. Oh my gosh. Like it was just phenomenal. Um, so without working, like that was my first gap in, in my work experience for a year. And I felt like I deserved it. I thought it was a great time to get to know myself a little bit more, get to know my husband. He was in a um, fellowship program at MIT. So Uh it was like, he was just always reading. So I spent a lot of time alone, which for me, who's a super extrovert, was really weird. But then I really enjoyed it. Like, how often do you spend time alone? Never. Not Exactly. Like, in our thoughts, you know, like, were you actually, you know, like when you're first dating and you're like, um, you know, you ask these hypothetical questions to your spouse. Like you have those kind of silly conversations that you see in movies. Mm-hmm. I just found that I had stopped having that. And we would just like, like a hamster, right? What do they say? Like spinning your wheels and kind of going, going, going. And yeah. it really like made me stop and step back and just have conversations with myself, you know, about yeah. what was important to me. Like where, where did I want to be in my life? And who, who did I represent when people, met, you know, met me? What did they see? So I know, very deep, but definitely where um, that year in Boston took me. So then we moved from Boston, we moved to Virginia for a year, then we just moved now to Miami. And for the last couple of years, I was, there's a doctor I used to work with, and she said, I really want to bring you to be the first midwife here at this office. And so that took a couple of years for her to get in the making and to get it all approved. And so anyway, long story short, I am now working at a hospital in North Carolina, I'm the first midwife, and it's challenging, but... So you travel fun. back and forth from Florida to North Carolina? Yeah, I travel. Um, I go about every three weeks for a week at a time, sometimes two. So uh-huh. that's challenging, right? You know, like hard being... You do like seven days on? Yeah. yeah so I'll work in the clinic, and then I'll also... Now I'm doing the labor and delivery and learning all of their computer stuff, um, yeah. which was intense because it was so funny. This last... I just got back on Sunday... And it was, they said it was like one of their busiest times. Like we literally had like 23 patients on postpartum and it was just, they were heavy patients. It wasn't just, just, it wasn't regular, just vaginal births. Let's say that, you know, it was quite a bit. So, yeah. So tell people kind of what you do as, uh, as a midwife that's different from like, say when you were a labor, labor and delivery or antenatal or antepartum nurse. Okay. So I get that question a lot. I think a lot of people think that as a midwife that we are like just doing home deliveries and they don't. Or like a doula. Like I think people probably yes. think you're like a doula and, and or like a birth exactly. coach or something. And nothing like it's very against different. Them. Nothing against no, no, no. And birth coach. You know, because everybody we has all their own have role. a different, exactly, everybody right. has their own role, and I'm like, I worked really hard to get here, like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, we, 
so when people hear, oh, you're a midwife, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't do home births, um, but I'll do whatever it is you want in the hospital, you know? And right. I think that comes from my training, having been a labor and delivery nurse, I know how things can change very quickly. So I'm very much about whatever you want to do. I will do whatever non-conventional method you want to do. We're just going to do it in the hospital, okay? Where we yeah. can move very quickly if yeah. we have to. Um, so as a midwife, I'm a nurse practitioner with a specialty in midwifery. So I deliver babies. I can repair um, a vagina. Uh, I can do up mm. to a third degree. Um, so there's four degrees when you, your vagina can tear. Bless. Uh, eek, eek. Um, but, you know, I've even done fourth degrees with the assistance of having a, a physician with me because, you know, that's actually when the rectal capsule is um, torn and it's pretty, it's I don't, pretty involved. I don't know, but now I do. I, okay, I didn't, yeah, yeah. But now we do. Yeah, it can be, it can be a little intense. But on Oof. average, most women are first and second degree, so not right. very difficult at all. So we repair that. Some midwives do circumcisions as well. I don't. Uh-huh. Um, we also can be the first assist in a... C-section, so the doctor is the primary surgeon, and you are uh-huh. their first assist, which is pretty great, too. Um, but we manage everything. We manage, you know, triage patients. So if you're coming in, if you have severe preeclampsia, if you have pyelonephritis, which is like a kidney infection, anything, you name it, we take care of it. We can do it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the show on Netflix called The Midwife? Is it Netflix where it's like called uh, uh, no, Yeah, I have. I have. I've it, watched a few. It's kind of hard because those are very lay midwives. Um yeah. So it's like old timey, right? I, mean, I yeah, actually haven't yeah. seen it, so I don't even know what I'm talking about. But when I think a lot of people get confused, like, too, when they see that show, then they think it's the same. And, you know, even for patients, it's very interesting to see it educating them because they're like, wait, what? Like, they think like you're just an assistant rather than an actual provider. The provider, so, sure. Yeah. So we are providers. Okay, so- we write, you know, narcotics. We, I, you know, we have DEA licenses, everything. So you mentioned before about home birth and I would love to talk a little bit about that because I feel like um things like that are kind of making a comeback and mm-hmm. you know I I think for a lot of people you don't know what you don't know um mm-hmm. and you never want to be negative about something that's mm-hmm. such a personal choice right um but a it is, I'm sure, terrifying, you know, to hear about these things where you, you just, I think what's terrifying for us as the medical professionals mm-hmm. on the other side is just knowing what can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like we're kind of going that way with a lot of more, you know, natural things, like the, you know, people aren't into vaccines anymore because mm-hmm. they don't know what can go wrong on the other side. Mm-hmm. And people are more into home births and things like that because they right. don't realize, you know, what can go on on the other side. So what makes mm-hmm. you nervous about home births and what, what do you, how do you counsel patients that are say that they might want to do that? How do you kind of, how do you, you know, navigate that? I think they're wonderful until they're not, <laughs> but yeah. you don't know that. And I think definitely it is educating. I, I, the midwives I've seen that do do home births, you know, they have to have a supervising physician and doesn't right. mean that the doctor's there with them in the, in, you know, when they're doing the delivery, but a doctor that they would have should they an emergency present. I think for me, because I have been in a hospital and I know many would say, well, you're just jaded. I think it's just, I've seen things go bad very quickly. And even if it's like a 1% chance, there's still that chance. And so that's always in the back of my mind. And even when I'm doing a delivery, um, that is a routine, normal vaginal delivery. 
I have to be thinking in my mind, what if this baby gets stuck? You know, I'm thinking my maneuvers. I'm thinking, you know, different things as far as emergency. So that's just how I'm conditioned. And again, many that aren't trained that way, bravo to you that you haven't been jaded. But for me, a home birth is not my thing. Now, I've had a woman come up in a car in the emergency room and just deliver in the car. Good to go because we really couldn't help that. Right. But the idea That's of, different. That mm-hmm. was like, she couldn't help it. She like couldn't help it. Just, it was so fun. In her car, in uh, her like minivan, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is awesome. Or I've had oh another gosh. woman, like, she's literally walking down the hall, and you just see this big bulge in her pants, and it's the baby's Stop. head. And you're like, no. take those pants off. Oh my gosh. You know? So if it were to happen, then I would do it. And funny thing, my dad just called me a little bit ago. He's like, oh, the neighbor had her baby, and I knew she was going with a midwife. And I was like, what? He goes, her water broke, and then she didn't have time, and she just delivered at home. And I was like, oh, my God, that's too bad I wasn't there, you know? Yeah. Because if it would have happened like that, then I probably would have tried to, like, put my hands in there. But I couldn't – I don't think that I could I could work where I'd say, oh, yeah, we're going to do a home birth and and spend that time. But, but good on those that can't. Like, absolutely. I think What that do those you think that, is driving people to, to do a home birth? Or do you hear – because I'm sure you – I don't – take care of any women's health I'm like mm-hmm. so bad at it and I don't know and and so women's health I mean I say that obviously like mm-hmm. I am a woman and everything is women's health but I mean so like, what do you do anything family practice <laughs> no so I I'll tell you I was in cancer for 10 years basically mm. so I was in surgical oncology for two my first two years of my career and then I did mostly head and neck oncology for the next eight years and then I took a very hard left and now I'm in aesthetics and I do Botox so you know, it's very, oh, I'm going to come see you then. I'm very kidding. different. <laughs> yes. You can come see me. It's a lot more, um, it's a lot less stressful and mm-hmm. just a more like fun than cancer probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah. I've never done anything really with anything reproduction mm-hmm. related, but so I don't hear from people, you know, what are people nervous about that's making them you know, want to do that? I think a lot of it was the pandemic and the idea of not being able to have their partner Right. Um, that definitely scared a lot of women and losing control. Whereas if you think about it, um, that's primarily why so many women are so edgy, even with the labor, right? They want to have that control. Right. So I, I definitely take my patients, um, and we have this talk and I, and I want to know what are their ideas? What are they envisioning? Because then I want to say to them like, okay, Um, I'm going to try to honor everything. But more importantly, I want you to know the things that you can control. Even I can't control anything. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't promise you. I said, but I'm going to do everything to give you a healthy baby, healthy mama. And I think we tend to lose sight of that. Like, it's frustrating because I see how women become, they just feel very vulnerable. And because of that vulnerability, they want to seize control. And they are like, they just print off birth plans off the internet. And I'm like, there's nothing unique about this. Like you just printed this out. Talk to me. So I'm like, okay, I got this, but let's sit down and actually talk about what are your feelings? What are you thinking about? What is it that you want to see? And a lot of times they haven't even really thought about that. They just like, where is this coming from? Right. Exactly. You know? And so we talk about like, even with the partner, um, I'm very much, um, I don't even know the term, just with the spouse centric, you know, I want, because he is so scared. I had um, we had a bad situation recently. And the fear in that father's eyes 
is something that just like burns into your into your heart, right? Because yeah. he's terrified, you know, we're rushing his wife out and he's just crying. He has no yeah. control. Well, yeah. then, then the baby starts having issues. Like I, my heart broke for that man. And so when I have my dads now, because they can come to appointments, I'm talking them through those things. Well, not the bad scenarios, but I'm talking them to how they're going to feel. They're going to feel, they might be a little scared. They've never seen their wife in that sort of, discomfort right we're not supposed to say pain but that discomfort or so much out of herself and i would say you're gonna have the same conversation with her for like the next 12 hours honey you're doing so great honey i'm so proud of you honey i love you you know rub her back and they like look at me but it's the truth and so then i'll show them they don't know what to do they don't know what the hell they don't know what to do and when i have i don't see as much like birth education because it's so hard because of covid like it's just COVID has just changed and shifted so much. Um, So I don't blame women being scared um, and vulnerable. But I also say to them, like, I'm your best friend. And I want to make this the best. But my ultimate goal is a healthy baby, healthy mama. Do you trust me? Okay, so let's proceed. And I promise to walk you through every single step. And so then that's how I see they kind of like let their guard down a little bit. And they start opening up. And and then they're able to actually enjoy the experience because you're either like labor focused or you're like focused on the end. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like some yeah. women are like, I just want to have a vaginal delivery. And so they're not even focused on the fact that they're going to get a baby. And I was like, some, I just want an epidural. I don't really care what happens. Just someone please like that's put this my birth me. plan. That's yeah, all. I, I think that's a great plan. That's my plan. There's, there's a reason we have stuff. them. And I think that it's they're wonderful. But also, if you don't want that, then that's okay too, you know. And and that's what's so humbling about women's care is really stepping back and letting the patient find what they want to do and empowering them to make that decision and then just supporting them with it. Yeah, yeah. And so I was going to ask you too, I know you everybody's so tired of talking about COVID, but have you been counseling women a lot on the vaccine? I'm sure you get a lot of questions of like, you know, pregnant women are, am I going to take the COVID vaccine? You know, they weren't named in the EUA. They weren't in the studies, but now ACOG is kind of saying, please don't forget about us. And so what are, what's your conversation like with pregnant or nursing women? You know what, right now my conversation has been more the flu vaccine. Like, you know, you have to fight them. I think pregnant women tend to forget that they're immunocompromised. And I'm like, so let me tell you what that means. You know, we're so focused on COVID but we forget how many women have died even from getting the flu. Like it's yeah. just that serious. Significant. Yeah. Significant. And you know, you don't you never wanna your teaching tactics should never be about scaring them because that's not what I want to do to them. I don't want to put the fear in them like, oh my goodness. But to educate them because there's so many um naysayers against science. And I'm like, yeah. it's here for a reason. Um yeah. but I don't really have we, we didn't know much you know, as far as with the vaccine. And obviously, we, we so we hadn't really done as much, I would say, about counseling with them. So I was just reading the ACOG stuff yesterday. I think it came out like yesterday or a couple of days ago. Yeah, it's very yeah, new. Yeah, it's very, obviously. very new. So I hadn't had a chance to, since I got back Sunday, to really talk to any patients about it. So that's going to be another difficult one because the flu vaccine is hard enough. You'd be surprised how many women, they just say, no, nah, I don't want it. But they have no... Again, they just want to have, you know, control and they have no finding as to why they don't want it, you know? Right, right. 
So if you've been following Dabble Co. and me for any length of time, you know that I'm super careful with anybody that I endorse or any partnership or brand here. So the goal is always to share evidence-based medicine and things backed by actual science with our audience and our followers. So I was thrilled when BetterHelp approached me to do a partnership with them. So thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is an online platform that connects you to counseling in an incredibly convenient and affordable way, which I think are the two biggest barriers to counseling, access and affordability. So I was actually really surprised when I looked up their rates for counseling. They were a third of what I feel like I've ever heard and what I've personally paid. Um, It solves both of the problems with literally the click of a button on the internet. So I have personally seen the benefits of counseling. I know firsthand how important it is, and I know it plays a crucial role in mental health. So check them out, and they will know that I sent you, and you'll get 10% off your first month of counseling if you head to betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Um, so it's super easy, betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Thanks, guys. Um, I would love to talk about your time at Planned Parenthood because I'd love for people to hear just some really, some actual real, you know, experience and in, in real, um, a real person who's actually been in there and seen what mm-hmm. actually goes on at Planned Parenthood besides, um, you know, besides abortion, frankly. So I could almost get emotional talking about it because you just don't know until you actually go in there. And I think that my views, I know my views change significantly because I think many People think, oh, for a woman to get an abortion, it's a very easy decision, or they use it for birth control. These are all like misconceptions or things that I've heard. And I will say to you, there's never been a woman's hand that I didn't hold that didn't feel awful about it. But a lot of times these women didn't have choices, right? I'm talking women that came over that were raped by their coyote coming over, let's say from, you know, from Mexico, um, women that were raped. I don't even know what that means. What is rape? What's a coyote? So like someone that would bring them across the border. Oh, for illegal immigrants. And, you know, or if you saw a woman that she's with a partner who's abused her and you just all you see are the bruises inside of her legs. Right. Like you just learn to say like everyone we live in such a isolated sort of world when we're in our world again, like a hamster just doing our thing that we forget that there are people that struggle, people that don't have the same privileges that we do. And I think that's what I learned in Planned Parenthood. It wasn't about oh, I'm just going to get an abortion because I don't want this baby. It, it wasn't, it, it's not like that at all. And so yeah. hearing these women's stories and putting faces to these stories just softens my heart, right? To women who don't have access to healthcare and are just so grateful to be able to have an annual exam. But then they're they're tabulating how much it costs to get those labs that you have insurance. So you just take it for granted that a CBC or get right. in the thyroid panel those things are, oh, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, just do the blood work. Whereas they're, like, picking and choosing which blood work they can get or, you know, figuring out birth control based on on, on their Solely income. on cost, so, yeah, like, not what's going to work best for them. It's just Not what's going to work for you. You cost. don't have the choice to go the brand name. You've got to go generic. So it's just, it just really makes you, it made me realize um, why I was there and why I'm doing this. Um, my best friend is and always wanted to be a women's health nurse practitioner and only wanted to work at Planned Parenthood. So you work at Planned Parenthood, you're not making any money. I'm just going to tell you right now. Like the money, the hourly rate that we get is quite possibly a half to 75% of what you could make if you work somewhere else. So when you're doing it, you're truly doing it because you want to help women, you want to empower them, you want to educate them. 
And for, if you said to me, Elsa, how many like repeat offenders did you have? Years I worked at Planned Parenthood. I worked there and I worked at another office. Um, I'd probably say less than four. Less yeah. than four. But yet yeah. this is what many people think women are doing. Um, yeah. and, and it isn't like that. And until you've walked in that woman's shoes, I, I'm like, I have no right to even remotely judge her. I yeah. have the right to educate her, to help her, to empower her, to show her what her options are so that she possibly won't end up in this situation again. And and Planned Parenthood for a lot of these women too, you know, it's organizations like that that are, you know, if we want to see less abortion, well, then we have to have organizations like this who exactly. are actually giving women access to care and to birth control and education and and classes and everything that they need, you know, to actually hopefully avoid being in this situation. It's really tough. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm it's They're I'm doing sure great it was, work. They they really are. And I amazing I mean, they, work. Gosh, they just get such a bad mm-hmm. rap, I guess. Re, is it bad rep? Bad rap. Mm-hmm. Bad know, rap, you know, yeah. Like, they do. For, they do it. Yeah. And it's it's really hard. I think all these issues are a lot more complicated than we're willing mm-hmm. to make them. Mm-hmm. Um Especially when it comes down to something like voting. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just not always so black and white. It isn't. It's not black and white at all. And if you live in a bubble and you live where you want to throw rocks at a woman or you haven't allowed a woman to open up and to speak vulnerably and openly, then you're a shitty person. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, mean yeah. I, and I don't know I can I say that. You know, because if anything, um, my talk tomorrow on Women's Health Wednesday, and one of the things that I've been dying to talk about is the whole, like, mommy shaming. But really, when we look at it, it probably falls under the umbrella of women shaming, you know? Just like, women in general, yeah. You know, whereas, like, you feel like crap because you're not that kind of mom, or you feel like crap because you're not that kind of wife. Like, cut it out. We are all so different, and we come from such different walks of life that how about we just be vulnerable or be kind. That's it. Yeah. Just be kind. And be glad that you have never been put in that situation to have to make that decision. Because I assure you, it is not an easy one. And I'll tell you something else. I'm not an ultra-religious person. But for every woman's hand that I held during a procedure, I would absolve them before they would leave that, that before they would leave on their way mm. so that they would release this. Because... Yeah. then they would end up having trauma later, right? And I'd say, yeah. you know, I don't want you to have the guilt. And I really would, and I would just pray over them, truly. It's traumatic, I'm sure. It's yeah. so traumatic. What's your family background? I know we wanted to talk a little bit about um, just your experience being a woman and a woman of color in the medical field. What's your background? Because um, no one can see you. I can see you, but other oh, people can't oh, see Oh, oh, my you. nationality. Oh, okay. You're like... So, yeah, um... So I am Latina. I'm Dominican. Uh, I've, I guess I, I, I don't know. I, I'm black. I'm, you know, Dominican. We ha- we're 70% black, right? Both of my parents are Dominican. I speak fluent Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And as a woman of color, I got to tell you, um, I don't know if I really, I mean, I, I, I'd have to think long and hard about struggles. I think there's definitely struggles with staff, 
is a is a great struggle, but I think some of that struggle isn't even because of my color. I think it's even being a woman. Yeah. I think again, it's women. Sometimes women, we are the shittiest to each other. It's just amazing. Like the rites of passage true. that we have to put yeah. one another through. Like, where does that stem from? Now, when I see a woman act that way, in my forties now, I go, Wow, you've got some serious insecurities. Because that's what I see. You're so much more comfortable now than you were when you started oh, your career, you know, yeah. 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, I'm just like, I don't have time. I don't have time for this. You know, and like I told you, I started at this new hospital. And you see certain personalities. They want to challenge you. They want to know what you know. And they, you know, I've had some that are like, okay, so what is it that you can do? What can you and can't you do? And I'm like, honey, just just sit down, okay? I'm going to need you to step to the side. And my boss who's a dear friend of mine, is like, you can do everything. And I'm like, it's okay. Whereas I know that 10 years ago, I would have been like, let me just tell you what I can do. You know, like <laughs> that New York would have came out of me. But I was right. like, I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. And, and I don't say that like yeah. cocky, but like what's kept me so safe all these years is that I'm good at what I do and I know what I know, but I also know what I don't know. And if there's something that I have a question about, I have no problem with saying, Hey, I'm not sure. Like, should I handle it like this? Or what do you think? And if I feel myself start to lose perspective, then that's when I really need to have a second opinion. And I, and I thank God for that because I think that that's what's helped me definitely stay safe, stay humble, and, and still be a really good provider. But as far as patience, I don't really find as much resistance from patience. I think if initially they have that, I'm, I'm accustomed mm-hmm. to dealing with people and I'm accustomed to dealing with um, barriers that I could talk to a wall. And the nurses at work, they tease me now because they're like, they want to give me what they would say, like, you know, a difficult patient. I don't see patients like that. I see that as someone who possibly is having a hard time at home or is having a difficult, you know, might have some financial troubles. So I'm going to sit and I'm going to spend time with her. And I want to talk yeah. to her. And like, What's going on in your life? And they're looking at me like, aren't you supposed to just be listening to my heart and lungs and, you know, and doing my pap and moving on? No, because if you're stressed, then that means that there's, this is also going to present itself or manifest itself physically. So I I love that. (laughs) And there's been so much talk this year about, you know, maternal mortality Mm-hmm. And um, particularly African American women, and I had wondered if you if you had any really experience to share, particularly for medical providers who may be listening. Of you know, um, these are things I have experienced, or these are things I see people experience differently. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I think it's hard sometimes to even understand what behaviors may be different to cause that kind of disparity? I think, I think um, a lot of it is cultural. Um, I have a soft spot for women, period. I don't. Mm-hmm. I think that when we are looking at preeclampsia, which is one of the really high risk, um, risk factors, we need to, you know, I've heard that we're going to start referring to, you know, a, being black in itself is just, is a risk factor in itself, Right. But uh, to me, I'm like, are we just getting there? Because I've known this now for like 10, 15 years, you know, that if she's black and she's telling me she's kind of got like a headache or like I had a patient come in the other day and she said, I just don't feel well. I don't feel right. Well, 
you know, the floor is getting busy and you're just like, okay, you know, everything looks good. Baby looks good. Blood pressure looks good. But she said that to me and I felt it in the pit of my stomach. And I was like, hmm. what, what do you, she's like, I don't know. I just, something just doesn't feel right. Well, when we did all of her labs and I was like, everything looks good, you know, and I felt real comfortable about to discharge. I said, I'm just waiting on one lab and then I'll let you go home. Well, I'll be there. That one lab is the one that actually differentiates for preeclampsia and that was a little elevated. A little bit enough to say, uh, we're going to keep you and we'll observe you for 24 hours. So, you know, it's just so it's just like it, it isn't so much about color to me, but I will say that I did have another patient and we had kept her and I was like, hey, the blood pressure medication we're using on you, it's not working as effectively. Well, she was like, I'm ready to go home. And, and it's more that resistance. And I'm not saying it's every black woman, but I think maybe culturally we are just told we are stronger, that we can get through this. And so to admit um, not really feeling ourselves would be like admitting failure or I, I don't know, or weakness. And I looked at her and I said, I need you to listen to me. And you do understand that you're black and I want you to be safe. I need you to stay. And she said, okay. And then we moved on. So I think it's the provider, like almost being direct with that patient and actually showing them and, and like hugging them and be like, I got this and I got you and I want to make sure that you're safe. But I've never seen a provider be negligent towards a black woman, maybe because I'm there, but I have, I have not seen that. Um, but I also try not to work for providers that don't give a crap, right? If you don't give, that's not who I want to work with. That's not who I want to affiliate with. But I tell my followers, if you are in a relationship with your doctor and you do not like the way they speak to you, the way they address you, the way they don't listen to you, it's time to move on. It's not, it's not serving you any good. I think patients don't realize that. And I, you know, I don't know, well, probably because obviously we're not like telling them in a direct or indirect way, like, oh, go get a second opinion or find somebody else. But I mean, I want people to know that, that if, if you're not comfortable with your provider for any reason, whether it's you you want a second opinion, you're just not sure that you trust their opinion, or whether you trust their opinion implicitly and you just want to hear it again, or you don't like them, or whatever. I, I, I used to work for a big group of surgeons, and one of the, you know, nine out of ten were amazing, and then the one guy was just like literally the worst human ever. And I'd see people come back to him that like clearly were, you know, when he was in the room, they're just like, why is he like that? And I'm like, you know, you don't have to be here. Like there, there, there are other of them that will, we'd love to take care of you. Like, you know, you really don't. And they're like, really, can I, I like, I can do that. I don't have to come see him. I'm like, no, go see someone else. He's the worst or whatever. Right. People don't get that. You're absolutely no. right. That they don't realize they have that option. So I've had many of my followers say, I, I didn't realize that. And I'm like, yeah, totally. I think like way back when, you know, when we had this sort of like reverence towards providers or doctors, you know, back when patients would stand up. You remember yeah. that? When the doctor came in the room? Now they barely get off the phone. <laughs> right. Yep. That's it's a different time. And I'm time. like, hey, do you need me to come back in? You know, because like I'm kind of busy and I'm see, here to see you. And they're like, okay, hang on. Let me call you back, girl. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> it's un it is kind of unreal. I know it's, it's so the tabletop shifted. We should probably be somewhere in the middle, but yeah. anyway, yeah, it's mm -hmm. it, it's super interesting. I don't think people realize that 
um, you know, that they can get a second opinion. Well, and not everybody has that luxury either. You know, it, mm-hmm. it may be mm-hmm. more difficult, um, you know, easier said than done to go, right. Right. go somewhere else, find someone else. Does your insurance mm-hmm. take, you know, pay for someone else? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the craziest thing you've seen in like in a labor and delivery s- setting? The lady in the hall. That was pretty crazy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know your audience, but this was like, I mean, you see a lot of crazy stuff, but probably the craziest was I had a same sex couple and I'm pretty open, but like the woman like masturbated the whole time. Oh, um, what? <laughs> and I wow. was like, this is, I was like, oh my God, this is really weird. Like, but you know, she was releasing the oxytocin and she wanted to, you know, oxytocin, we use it. I mean, it's what gets the contractions, right? And so she was doing it naturally, wow. but it was just really, hmm. that was really I didn't know, me. I'll be honest, that that's where we were going with that. But we did. <laughs> but You said the craziest. I you did. just never know. <laughs> I sure did. And yeah. there it was. Well, wow. I'll tell you yeah. what. That that's probably On the that craziest. Note, yeah. That is crazy. Wow. I don't know mm-hmm. that I could have could think of anything less arousing than childbirth, but you literally. Know, I, <laughs> hey. You know what they say, everybody's got to be doing something. So Something. Mhm. I was like, Gosh. "Okay, girl, not really where I would want to be uh-uh. while I'm delivering, but okay. No. You do you." But it was just Wow. I think because it's not what you're used to seeing. So I was like. Nope. No, you're not. This, Mm-mm. I'm like, this no, is, doesn't not. seem right. So. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That is a hoot. But well, I've only seen it I, once. So. I have had a blast talking to you. Um, this has been so fun. I've loved hearing Me about too. your career and what you do. And I know tons of people, this will be really helpful for them to know what a midwife can do and mm-hmm. um, to go follow you. So tell people where they can find you. So you can find me at Happy Go Curly. <laughs> I promise you, I'm not always happy. I, I feel like I represent life, period. Um, yeah, you do. You know, some days are definitely sunnier than others, but it's okay. Like, we just learn to find ways to adapt and make do. Um, yeah, so underscore Happy Go Curly, or you could just type in Happy Go Curly and find me there. Yeah, it's a blast mm-hmm. to follow you. You're just sweet and funny and real and, and lovely Aww. and... I also cute outfits sometimes and all that well as always guys if you liked the show and like the guests please rate subscribe share it share so everybody can hear what we talked about today um that is how people find the show and how we can get more guests and keep going so thanks so much and we'll talk to you next week bye